just been feeling so much love for everyone and i wish i could have sat down with each of you and just had fellowship with every single it was just quality fellowship with every single one of you guys but i just i just value each and every single one of you you know this i i really believe that uh we are some of the treasure that's stored up in heaven you know when when unity happens it's the blessing that's poured out forevermore meaning you'll never get rid of me like you'll always have this fellowship because our fellowship is in him and and it's eternal and so just to give you a, a great vision of that like what the 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 koinonia that we share at the feast is it's like partaking in the eternal it's filling something that's in the inside of you that says yeah this is right i was created for this 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 fellowship and, and we have fellowship because we have fellowship with him right so uh all that to say i just value you guys you are you're worth the blood of jesus and it's so amazing to see you and you're beautiful people so glory to the lord Jesus, we just dedicate this time to you, Lord. We honor your presence. God, we we know if you came down from heaven, that you would have something to say to us, Lord. And Father, I I ask you to humbly use uh, my voice uh, as something, as an instrument to speak tonight, Lord. Uh, Lord, we want to hear your words, God. Uh, we want to be moved by your heart. God, we want the implanted word that yields the harvest of righteousness. God, that we would yield a harvest in heaven and on earth, Lord. So, Father, all glory to you, Lord. Be glorified in our gathering, God. Be honored, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to your church. God, you are speaking. God, we open our eyes. We open our ears. God, you give grace to the humble. So we get down low and we we become dependent, saying, give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 So, uh, before I go into preach mode, like my, my, my wife always rebukes me because I, I, I know I have to give a real update because we're really missionaries in the field. And there's a, a number of you that are our partners that have, that have sent us. And so I just want to encourage you, your guys' hearts, stir your hearts to love and good works as we, as I just share my life uh, and what we're doing in the field and then I'll go into, like I got layers to this thing, I'll, I'll, do, I'll share an update and then uh, I feel like I got a prophetic word and then an exhortation at the end, so we'll see how it goes um, but how do I bring this up? Just See, I'm still an old soul. <laughs> Put it forward. I feel like I should do a prophetic. 
can dance, but you guys are probably going to have to do That's right. Of this, 
we we could go a couple miles and go to our local christian bookstore and get or walmart and get books and commentaries on this. it's like we have a buffet and we and and to be honest with you and we take it so for granted but could you imagine growing up in a tribe where you have no access to the very answer what we call the very answer to everyone's soul that's an injustice and that's where we want to stand in the gap so what was jesus's strategy my strategy i'd be stirred up saying disciples go get them you know if my heart's stirred for the harvest is up if the harvest is full and the laborers are few go get them dts (laughs) right that's my strategy heaven's strategy was this before he sent out the 12 before he sent out his disciples with the go therefore he said pray therefore come on heaven's strategy was this pray therefore to the lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers in the harvest field and and i believe he did this for two reasons number one god doesn't tie us to dead-end dreams if, if God commands us to pray such a thing, then you can be fully assured he will fulfill that 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 thing that he commanded you to do. So if he's praying to you, pray to the Lord of the harvest. You're, you're in a winning prayer right there. You can pray in the most unanointed way possible, and I think it still counts. You don't need to feel the hippie-jeebies with those, that one, right? Jesus commanded us to pray, right? And, and Jesus made himself, you know, number two, Jesus made himself directly a part of the equation, meaning this. We could have the most brilliant minds on our teams. We could have the greatest uh, genius, I, I'm trying to think of the words, <laughs> the all-star team, the, the greatest strategists. You could have the, the cream of the crop. Jesus made himself a part of the equation. He says, unless you pray to the Lord of the harvest, there will be no reaping of the harvest. Unless you pray. He made that canonized. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers into the harvest field. You cannot rely on your own strength to get get this thing accomplished. So we're linking up with all these uh, Bible translation organizations. And we're saying, give us your prayer needs. Give us your life life field um, prayer needs, and, and I'll throw it into our pool of intercession, and we're going to pray to the Lord of the harvest to see great breakthrough. And, and beloved, the world is praying right now in, in, in a exponential way. So I'm, I'm believing for exponential breakthrough in the Great Commission uh, today. I want to get you guys excited and realize, man, we, we've been just fed so many lies in the news today. It's just bad news. Bad news sells, right? But I'm here to preach the good news. I'm here to tell you Jesus is winning all over the world. It's time to rejoice. You're on the winning it's, it's not time to hide. It's not time to be a basket head and hide your light underneath the basket. It's time to let your light show shine before men that they glorify your Father in heaven, right? So here's, I felt like tonight, just to show you a little bit uh, of the clips in Myanmar. So this is just one of the uh, nations that we spent time and we blanketed the nation with evangelism, with prayer, and with Bible distribution. And the results were stunning. Now, mind you, we are nameless and faceless. We're not big name people. But it's like, 
we put out a cup of cold water named Jesus in the crowds. Myanmar is 90% Buddhist. And the crowds gathered in great thirst saying, we want Jesus. So you're talking about thousands of people that had never heard the name of Jesus. And they gathered. We had to do a crusade evangelism. Probably two to 3,000 people a night came out and were just thirsty to hear the, 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 the gospel and to, to receive the scripture. The, the picture to the your your left. You see all those people laid out. That's all children, probably in the age range of four to ten years old. And it's like you would pray over one, lay your hand over one, and the Holy Spirit would go and what like dominoes the whole row, the whole—not even a row, just a, a cluster of bodies. I had to walk through it and lift them off each other. And they they have no context of a spirit-filled experience, but they're experiencing the, the one who is Yah, <laughs> the one who is powerful, and, and, and he responds to hunger. And there's just a special anointing for children. That's all children right there. It touches my heart every time I, I look at that picture. And you, you, you know, you look over to the, the uh, right, there's that, that little little boy right there, probably my son's age, and he's just receiving the kiss of the Father in a real way, like God is encountering these people. I wanted to show you uh, pictures of me and my, I could tell you, like, stories attached there. I don't want to use the whole time telling crazy stories. We can use that as we're munching on some more Pumpkin tarts back in the back. <laughs> but the, the amazing thing is um, my team now has developed a strategy where we're going to replicate this. And it's not going to be the same format for every culture because we'll have to adjust it to the culture. But the same concept where uh, we're, we're going to 80 nations in the next 10 years and we're going to replicate that partner with the local churches and see the gospel move in this way. So we already have like commitments from like uh, uh, Colombia and Cameroon, uh, Cameroon and West Africa and many other nations where the Lord is stirring up. Like this is common in, in some of the other nations around the, the earth. And so like I, I was telling Wesley, like, I feel like I, I won the spiritual lottery to be able to do this. Because uh, I, I love giving myself to these culture. They're so beautiful. I feel like I learn so much from them. And so really, really beautiful. Before I go too far, but there's my beautiful family. <laughs> Just wanted to honor them. And uh, because my wife has paid a high price to have me come here. <laughs> you know, I, I got the easiest one out of the group. <laughs> But then my, my next son down is Maximus, and he really does act like a Maximus. <laughs> like, he, he lives life to the max, right? And then little Wesley over there, and he's two years old. And then my beautiful wife, uh, I was telling someone uh, today at dinner, uh, I'm so glad I'm anointed because there's no way I would have won her heart. <laughs> I would have been single till the day, you know? Uh, but I, I want to uh, just propose... We want to stay connected with you guys, and uh, we now more than ever, 
we need to lean into the wider body of Christ. There were some health issues that hit me this year that were unexpected. I don't want to go into all that. I don't want to glorify that, but it's the reality of our lives. It was a real attack. And it really made me realize how much we need ohana. That's a Hawaiian word for family. And I need partners and teams that will pray for us. And the Lord has given us real faith for breakthrough in our finances. And so we're about 25%, just about 25% in our monthly budget. And we want you guys to prayerfully consider coming on board as a team for us because we need a team that would send us forward so we can continue to do the work that God has called us to do. And so if you pull up that QR code, it will bring up a sign-up list. Some of you have already signed up for our newsletter. Thank you. But the newsletter comes out probably every other month, so we try not to spam. I hate spam. Probably every other month, just giving a quick update. And we want people to really pray for us. And then there's a question of, hey, would you like to learn more about our mission? Because I'm just giving a fracture of what we do every day. So we'll go through, share with you our hearts, what we're called to do, what nine to five, probably more than 40 hours a week, what we put our hand to in this mission. Because it's super exciting, and we want everyone to be able to be involved in that. So if that's you, please don't be afraid to pull up that QR code and join us. Join forces with us because, again, we value you. And, yeah, that's our hearts. And so – and then – oh, I didn't even bring it up. See, this is why I need my wife. There's these yellow cards that also have a QR code, and it's a direct link. Yeah, they're on the table in the back. Well, I don't need them, buddy. Oh, yeah. So let me just use this as an example. So this is a different QR code. This is a QR code directly to our giving account at YWAM. It's all tax deductible and whatnot, but we're just – we're believing the Lord for partners, right? The beginning of this year, as my body was being attacked, I'm a fighter. I'm a warrior, and I just said, Lord, I'm doubling down. And I felt like – he woke me up in the middle of the night, and I felt his leading. He says, I want you to call the body of Christ to believe for 30, 60, and 100-fold fruitfulness in the nations. And I just started believing, Lord, would you raise up those who will give 30, 60, and 100-fold into the harvest field, believing for the neighborhoods? Because there's a calling to the neighborhood, right? There's a mission field in the neighborhood. But there's a lift up your eyes for your heart. The harvest is full, right? There's a lifting of the eyes that see beyond what you – the sphere of influence that you've been called to. And that's a global influence. You could have global impact before you stand before the Lord. And so I am fully given to that. So please prayerfully consider joining our team. Amen. Now you guys can tell Katie I did it. We have a question. Yes. 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 Yes.
Yeah, amen. That's awesome. And I, I, I want more missionaries to be supportive <laughs> and sent and, and, and activated. Amen. So it's, it's funny because um, as you prepare for the Feast of Tabernacles, I feel like the Lord gives you like an onslaught of words <laughs> leading up, probably months leading up to Tabernacles. I don't know if anyone else has the same experience, but I probably shifted my word and transformed the word I felt like the Lord was giving me until like last night or maybe even this morning. And uh, uh, really the first first thing I feel like it is a prophetic word. Uh, and, and, and it's a moment in time I feel like we're in right now. I just want to submit it to you and you guys can weigh it. But uh, the title of this, this feast is the Holy Crossing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a prophetic statement talking about Israel crossing over into the promised land. Yeah. In Deuteronomy 29, it talks that Moses was commanded by the Lord uh, to renew covenant with the Lord. Uh, that, that Israel was to renew covenant with the Lord. And it was this this holy time and season where they we, they were commanded to reflect upon the signs and the wonders that led them to this point. They were commanded to reflect upon the past promises that the Lord had given them. And it's like the Lord consecrated this time that before they crossed over, they looked back. Right? And the picture that I got was, you know, in a, an Olympic rowing, you know, in, in Hawaii, there's a lot of rowers, right? And they're all facing backwards. And they would, and when, when you row, you fixate on a point that's behind you. Because if you fixate and you aim for that point, it will cause, it, you're, you're like anchoring yourself to that point. And it will cause you to stay straight forward so you don't go off path. So as you're speeding forward, you're looking back. And I feel like that's the word right now. Could it be that we're in a time of in the plains of, of Moab where it's, you know, maybe it's right now in the feast where you reflect upon promises that you were given decades ago. Right. That you know was the Lord. Right. And it might even be painful to think about because of the hope deferred, right? Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. But a promise fulfilled is a life-giving tree, right? So promises are always like trees, right? They, they get placed in your heart. And suddenly, the, the, it's, it's a generational thing. That the promises that I carry is for my son Samuel and his children and his children's children if I steward the seed well. If I don't allow my heart to become hardened because of life, I don't, become, I don't allow life to become my potters instead of the master pot. Right? Could we be in this moment in the plains of Moab where the Lord says, stop and take some time and reflect, fixate on the things that have spoken to you in the past. Right. Because it's going to propel you yeah. into the promised land. Yes. 
It's going to give you fresh faith. The Lord's going to anchor you even further so that he can propel you forward into the next thing. And I felt this scripture over you guys as I was reflecting over this word that the Lord could be speaking to us. It's out of Hebrews 6. And I want to I say this scripture with all my heart. Right? Hebrews 6, 10. I want to declare this to you. For God is not unjust so to overlook your labors. God is not unjust to overlook your labors. Isn't that the accusation of the enemy? That as you labor and as you're plowing forward, as you believe and all the circumstances are completely opposite of the promise that God has spoken to you and the mind games start. Because you start judging by the way your eyes see and your ears hear. And you're saying, where is God? Am I just forgotten? Am I just put on the shelf? I want to declare to you tonight this. God is not unjust. See, the accusation against his promise or against you is an accusation against God's character. It's not even about you. It's about his character. It's about the promise giver. The enemy is trying to say God is unjust. He doesn't care. He's stoic. He could care less about your labors. Let me read the rest of the scripture. This is so powerful. For God is not unjust as to overlook your labors and the love that you have shown in his name. In the servants in, uh, in serving the saints. I'm going to read that again over Lonnie and Kathy. <laughs> For God is not unjust to overlook your labors and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire that each one of you show the same earnestness and to have full assurance of the hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Not through indifference and passivity they inherit, inherit the promise. Isn't that the temptation like when we when we go through the grind, right? And we go through that eye of the needle, right? And everything hurts. <laughs> And death feels like death. <laughs> You're going through that crucifixion season, right? He says, don't be passive with the promise. Don't, don't just act like, well, it will just be. He says, through, through faith and patience, that's how those who, who have gone before you inherited the promise. Right. Beloved, there's such an opportunity to cross over. But it's going to take a diligence to posture your heart in faith and patience, saying, the Lord said it, and that settles it. I, I'm going to stand upon this rock, and nothing's going to move me from this rock. Not what my eyes see or what my ears hear. I'm going to stand because he said it, and I'm going to stand until he fulfills it. That is the persevering faith that inherits the promise. So, Father, right now, God, if this is, this word is from you, Lord, we fully receive this, and we ask you for grace to fulfill this, Lord. We can't do this without you, Lord, so we lean into you, God, that this next year will be a year of aiming backwards, moving forwards, God. 
that we would believe that these decade-old promises would be fulfilled, that Vermont would have awakening sweeping across her street, Scott. It doesn't matter what political position she's in. She is a bride adorned and beautified by salvation. We believe that this is the reason why you sent people here. This is the reason why we stand up on the ground, that there be salvation that would spring up, Lord, all across New England, Lord Jesus. We stand, God, upon the promises that you've promised so many people, God, that you've given the first great awakening, the second great awakening, and there is a third great awakening coming to New England, Lord. We believe, Jesus. We believe. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So, now I'm going to preach the message. Hopefully, you don't have anything to go to tonight other than you're here. It was interesting when we flew out from Kona. How many of you guys have heard of the Ironman competition? You've done Ironman? Come on. Everybody, go ahead and stand up. You're standing on Ironman, standing in your midst.
I would need to be in the top three of my age group in order to even have a chance at that. So I want to ask you a question. This is totally a setup from the Lord. So I'm glad I scrambled and just landed on the one that the Iron Man is. You can't make this up, guys. So I want to ask you a question and interview Stop. So after your first race, how did you feel? Honestly, I mean, I know that everything that Iron Man is a year of preparation. Yeah. It is something that, you know, I, I took lightly. I, I, I entered it a year ahead. You plucked $800 down yeah. a year ahead of time, hoping to God that you can be able to complete all the training. Because you're talking about 30 hours a week yeah. of training. So really quick, so finished, just so I don't keep everybody till midnight, because that can freeze a little. When I finished, I was just completely incomplimented. Yeah. Well, were you sore? Like, were you just I like was, rubber? Look, you finish. In, I'm just picturing myself like. <laughs> you finish in the Olympic Speed Skating Oval where the 1980 uh, team beat the Russians. Wow. Right? And it's really emotional. It's like super. I was just like completely drained. Okay. Completely drained. Yeah. And I, but I did know that I finished only because of God's will. Yeah. Right? So I, I, God is the only reason. I seriously, I have so much respect that I, I just am overjoyed that there's an Ironman amongst us. We literally left in the eye of the storm where there's a race uh, in. Like, there was a race on Thursday, we left on Friday, and there was another race on Saturday. So we wouldn't have gotten to the airport if we our flight wasn't on Friday. So we left in the eye of the, eye of the storm of, of, of Ironman. And I, I just couldn't help but think, man, this is a, a race amongst the race, the, the, the races in the world. And uh, um, what an incredible feat that would be to be able to just to complete an Ironman. And I couldn't help but think of the scripture. This is so, it lines up so well. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Don't you know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes on into strict training, just like Brother said. They do it to, to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Come on, fixating, right? Fixating on the prize. I do not like, I do not box like one who beats the air, nor do I strike a blow to my, I, uh, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I preach to others, that I myself would not be disqualified for the prize. So Paul says there's a triathlon set before us in the spirit. Whether you know it or not, that our Christian walk is not just a uh, every Sunday do your punch card, or every tabernacles, you know, like do your punch card. There's, there's a race that's been set before every believer. Whether you know it or not, Paul is giving this illustration. You know, just like Brother said, there's there's a training that we put ourselves to. But I want to give you a little twist. In my Christian walk, 
The only thing I've proven is that I don't have what it takes. That no matter how hard I try, and I, I am very stubborn, that I have failed time and time and time and time and time again. I was an amateur boxer in high school. And, and so when I, I had a radical experience with the Lord, where the Lord baptized me for 10 hours, and it just radically changed my life. So I pictured my walk with Jesus like a boxer. And it was like I was so grateful for what he did, and he, he encountered me. He responded to my heart. I cried out to him when I was drunk at a party, and the Lord responded to me and changed my life forever. So I was like forever indebted to the Lord. So it was like I said, Lord, you go in my corner. I got this guy. I got the enemy, right? <laughs> Only to prove that I'm a good faller and failure. <laughs> I'm a son, but I, I've fallen. So I, I, I have repeated patterns in my life that no matter how strong my blow was, I've and I'd get back up and I say, Lord, Lord, I promise I won't do that again. Okay, here I go. Boom. One, two, three. No pain. I, I had this email, no pain fighter, right? It was from Rocky. No pain, Rocky. No pain. No pain, Rocky. No pain. No pain, Mick. Right? I'm a big Rocky fan. No pain. Fall, rise again, fall, rise again, fall, 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 fall. And it was like the Lord the whole time was saying, you want me to get up? <laughs> you, you want me to fight this battle? And I'm like, Lord, I, I got this. Like, you did enough. You, 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 you were crucified. I have to walk with my most holy foot forward. I have to prove to you, like, I, I got what it takes. There's an interesting song. Psalm 102 is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> it's not really that romantic, but Psalms 102, 23, it says, In the course of my life, he broke my strength. In the, void, in, in the course of my life, he broke my strength. I want to read you this, this poem. We're going on this ride, triathlon here, guys. <laughs> it's called When God Wants to Thrill a Man. When God wants to drill a man, to thrill a man, to skill a man, and this goes for women. When we say iron men, iron women too. Like that's that's all, all about universal. I gotta be careful with the yeah, whatever. <laughs> When God wants to drill a man, to thrill a man, to skill a man, when God wants to mold a man, to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that the world shall be amazed, watch his method, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects who he royally elects, 
how he hammers and hurts him, <laughs> with mighty blows converts him, how he bends but never breaks, when his good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses, and with every pur purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's all about. What an intense. <laughs> right now you guys are thinking, are you sure you want him to preach the rest of this message? <laughs> I remember when God broke my strength in the course of my life. I'm going to be just straight up with you guys because I don't like being any other way. I had a massive addiction to pornography. Uh, that I took the baggage into my relationship with the Lord. And I, I wish, no, I actually, I don't. The Lord molded me through it. He broke my strength. He showed me what the gospel was really all about. And it's not that you have enough muscle to become holy. In fact, the only righteousness that we're able to produce is self-righteousness. Can I say that again? The only righteousness that you're able to produce is self-righteousness. But when we yield to the implanted word, quest, suddenly there's a harvest of righteousness that we did not birth ourselves, but it's Christ in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says in the same passage of scripture, but grafted in the vine, you become a fruitful vine that glorifies the Father. My Father's glorified by this, Jesus said. When, that when you are leaning into me and dependent upon me and, and are fruitful, that you know where the fruit comes from. I'm not, in, I'm not interested in religious games and, 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 and walking with my most holy foot forward. I'd rather stretch out my withered hand and be healed for real. <laughs> you know, I'd rather... Come on, like be a man of no reputation and, and, and I'm known at the throne and I'm known by his voice. I know I'm known in his heart, right? So I was walking with him with this, this thing, right? And this thing would continue to knock me down and I hated it. I can, I can truly say I hated it because it, I, I knew that I wanted to walk upright with the Lord. But this thing had me on its leash. And it broke me. Because I realized I had, you know, years went by where I realized, God, I don't have what it takes. I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't beat this thing, Lord. I'm weak. And the Lord visited me in three different ways. The first one was very simple. Lord, in, in a worship service, I was on my knees and I just was feeling dirty before him because I just had messed up. And the Lord brought up my memory of, of when I encountered his Holy Spirit, when I was sovereignly baptized in his Holy Spirit. And he asked me this simple question, Seth, what qualified you then? I said, absolutely nothing. He says, so what qualifies you now? <laughs> he says, 
says my love is unconditional and for like my love is called unconditional for a reason. It's without conditions, without strings, without reservation, without boundaries. What we call boundaries, like God, it doesn't even make sense to the love of God, the boundary lines that we draw for one another. His love is boundless. And then I had this, another experience. Is this okay, guys, if I'm this real? Had this other experience where I was a youth pastor at the time. And I was living at the pastor's house. And I had this addiction, right? And just really kept it to my, you know, like I kept it to like an accountability partner. But just wrestling through this and this, his, the pastor's daughter went up to me. She said, she goes, I have this unique prophetic gifting where I can hear people's spirits praying. And to be honest with you, I was very skeptical. Like, okay, little girl, that's nice. Like trying to encourage her not to like beat her up. Like, sure, nice leprechaun. Don't tell me you haven't done that before. She's like, I, 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 no, she goes, and it's for real. Like, I, I, I sometimes I'll hear my father preaching a message before he preaches it, and that following Sunday is the very message that he's preaching. She goes, it's, it's unbelievable. And I was like, that's, that's cool. She goes, well, the reason why I'm telling you this is that last night I heard your spirit praying. I said, okay. She goes, you are crying out for mercy. She said, I never heard you crying out so desperately. She heard my spirit, mercy, God, have mercy. And she said, I heard the Father's voice rise above your voice. And he said, you're forgiven, Seth. You just have to break through. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Just press through. And my voice would rise above his. Have mercy, God. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. You're forgiven, Seth. You're forgiven. And, and it, it would go on for a while until the Father's voice fully broke through. And she looks at me and she goes, is that, is that resignate? <laughs> and I'm holding back tears and I'm saying, I'll just take it to the Lord. <laughs> I saw in a corner and just wept. Like the, the Lord was speaking right through her. The truth. See, it's truth that sets us free. Sometimes we take a, a habitual problem that we think a prayer line can solve when you just need to believe differently, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. There's a stronghold that's that's holding you as a, like a dog on a leash. And the Lord just says, no, you need to look differently. And I'm with you. You need to look at this thing differently. And you watch how breakthrough will come. Wow. Uh, I was at another worship service, and the Lord used my imagination. And he's coming up to me in this really giddy, jolly, it reminded me of Dana. <laughs> like jolly. Grin on his face. And I had chains on my neck that I was feeling defiled. And the Lord walks up to me, giddy. And she starts taking off all these chains on my neck. And I feel physically lighter. And then as he takes off the last chain, he says, now, what do you want me to do for you? 
like a servant. That's who he is. He will always be a servant. He's eternally the one who washed our feet. That's his personality. He's not changing. He doesn't change. Come on. That's our Jesus. Now what do you want me to do for you? And I'm thinking, like, you just took my chains. But before I could overthink myself, I said, Lord, I just got sincere with him. Lord, I feel like I've made so many bad decisions in my life. I just defiled my heart to be on repair. And he's still smiling with that, that, I don't know what, just jolly smile. And he reaches into my chest and he pulls out my darker heart. And he throws it behind him like he's trying to make a basket in the wastebasket. <laughs> throws it behind him and he takes out his, his heart. And it was the sacred heart of Jesus, burning heart of Jesus. And he puts it in my chest. And I look down and his blood starts flowing into my veins. And I'm feeling the mess. I feel it still right now as I'm explaining it. And he says, finally, Seth, you're learning how to abide. I remember when the Lord broke my strength in the course of my life. Beloved, I stand before you a man that's been clean and free from pornography for the last 12 years. Clean. I'm not talking mess-ups. I'm talking holy broken. The Lord set me free. And it's not something that I accomplished. It's not a 12-step program that I did. It was me leaning into my beloved and believing what he said about me. I think about Peter's denial. You know, and just what 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 that did, you know, I could, you know, every preacher feels like they could be Peter, right? Because <laughs> we're all that guy. <laughs> but Peter, passionate and sincere, as Jesus is at the Last Supper, and he says, you know, I'll tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. And he's the first one to pipe up. I believe the man... Peter was fully sincere when he said this. Not I, Lord. I would die for you. And Jesus looked at him straight in the eye. He says, I tell you, Peter, this very night, not not next week, not next month. He says, I tell you the truth. This very night, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, there's no way. There's no way. I've already made up my mind. I could have left you and the whole multitude left you, Jesus. I've made up my mind. But the hour of darkness came on them all. I believe that hour was so demonic. It filled the air. You know, like you go through a, a, a city that has a stronghold and just, it, Jesus said it was the hour of darkness. Right? And he's at the fire. And he sees how they've beaten his Messiah, his Savior. He, he's beaten beyond recognition. He's seen every blow. And suddenly someone pops out of nowhere. Aren't you that one with the Galilean? No, I, I don't know him. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen you with him. You're one of them. Your, your, your accent... 
and betrays you. Not me. And a little girl, a little girl breaks Peter. Yeah, you are one of those guys. And he starts, the scripture says he starts cursing. And says, I've never known the guy. And at that very moment, one of the gospels says he locked eyes with Jesus' beaten face. And the rooster crowed. Could you imagine? No, say that. Could you imagine what that did to Peter's heart? When he realized, I did it. The rooster crowed, and I completely failed. Jesus, uh, Peter was one of the the people that, that stood around. He heard firsthand, if you deny me before man, I'm going to deny you before the Father. He heard it firsthand. He didn't read it in the scripture. He heard it firsthand. He knew the, the word was written upon his heart. So he ran away weeping in utter defeat, realizing that even as Jesus gave him a prophetic word, warning him that he was going to fight, fail three times. But the, the, the completion of that scripture is, but Peter, I am praying for you. There is a great intercessor in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father that is interceding for the saints. But be of good cheer, Peter. I am praying for you. Then it brings us to Peter's restoration. Jesus is already raised from the dead, has already been appeared before the disciples, right? And what is Peter doing right afterwards? He's fishing. Why is he fishing? He's an apostle. That was your old job, Peter. What if Peter was feeling so much condemnation because he knew what he did? He knew his failure. He broke his strength in his way. He said, I'm just going back to the family business. I'm no good at this apostle stuff. I failed the Lord. I'm just going back fishing. At least, and he, I can't, could you imagine the frustration? I can't even do that right. We're, we're fishing throughout the night, and I'm not catching a thing. He's probably swearing up a storm because he's not catching anything. Come on, let's get real. He's probably a New Englander. <laughs> probably a lobster man. But the way Jesus restored his heart, and I'm not talking about how Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me? I'm talking about beforehand. Jesus, the resurrected Lord, stood on the shore. Cast your net on the other side. Suddenly, you can't pull in. It says that the the, the fish were literally seeking the boat. Do you know the only other time in Scripture that that happens? The moment that Peter was called to be an apostle. Jesus did the same exact miracle from the moment Peter was called to his restoration. You know what the message is there? Peter, I haven't forgotten who you are, Peter. Peter, I trust in my strength much, 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 much more than your strength. Peter, I'm for you, not against you. If God is for you, who can be against you, Peter? Peter didn't even wait for the boat. 
Jesus, he realized who was calling him, right? And then the restoration. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Stop fishing. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, Lord, I love you. And the one who denied Jesus three times was crucified upside down at the end of his life. And was glorying God, glorifying God every step of the way because he was worth, counted worthy to be martyred in his name. There's something that the Lord wants to establish in the saints. It's called endurance and established faith where, where nothing can move us. But it comes through you surrendering your life to his crucifixion or resurrection. Realizing that I don't have what it takes. But that's why I'm a Christian. That's why I believe his name. Because I never had what it took. But I know the one who took my stains, who made me brand new, who raised from the dead. And now because he raised from the dead, I've been made brand new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I became what I could never become on my own because he has been raised from the dead. That's the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. So I want to propose to you guys tonight something that... What does it take to be an Ironman in the spirit? What does it take to compete in this race? I want to show you guys a video that I, I believe depicts. John, you're not going to want to miss this. Okay. <laughs>
I want to run well, and I want you to run well. Amen. So, John, would you please come up on the uh, uh, keys? Just want to give everyone this opportunity. That uh, yeah, even the entry point of the gospel is this point of surrendering your life. That means surrendering your strength, surrendering your goodness, realizing that every man will stand before God, the most holy Father. He Take your highest idea of holy and times it by a million, by, by infinity. Like the greatest grandeur and idea that we have of God, God is so much more. I believe that many of us will be shocked. I think that all of us will be shocked on that day we get to stand before him face to face. And on that day, the Bible says that everything will be laid bare before his eyes. That there will be no mask that we can hide behind. There will be no most holy foot that, that, I, will, that I will have. Everything, every motive, every thought, every idle word will be laid before him. Right? And on that day, it will be truly revealed what where our dependency is, is leaning on. Are you leaning upon your own goodness, on your own ability to go to church, on your own ability to even witness and to do the things of the ministry? Many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy? Didn't I do crusades in your name? Didn't I see the multitudes come? I'm not downplaying that. But I'm saying, like, am I leaning on that? Is that my ticket? Is that my ticket? Far be it from me. No. But Lord, I preach really good at the tabernacles. Your righteousness is a filthy rags. <laughs> I will look at those nail scars and I'll be utterly undone saying, Lord, I have no other foundation. It's nothing but the blood. It's nothing but your death. You have given me this position. And any word of faithfulness that you declare over me, I'm going to be completely undone. Because I know it. It's completely in spite of me. And it's because you've been so great in mercy and faith. Because I know what I, I, my, deed, my deeds deserve. But I'm leaning on something greater than myself. I, I don't, I didn't have what it took. I never had what it took. I'm leaning on your son, Lord. He says, that that's enough, son. <laughs> Come enter into your reward. Come enter into eternal bliss. Come enter into what you did not earn, but you earned through my son. And for billions and billions and billions of years, the Lord will spend blowing my mind. I believe I will look at his nails, nail scars. He'll have them still. And I'll be undone again, but for billions of years, saying, Lord, how can you, it can be this good? How, how can e your eternal reign be this good? How did you invite me in? 
And he'll turn to me and say, son, it's only just beginning. But there's another reality that many will face where they lean on something else and it's, it's idle. It's an idol. It's, it's not God. It's not what God provided. There's a parable about a wedding feast. It says the invitation was, they, they, there was invitations that were set out. And the initial invites did not come. So he went to the highways and the byways and he invited those who seemed unworthy. And there was this one individual, and he said, who let this one in that wasn't dressed in the wedding garments? And he said, cast them out. Beloved, we've been given a righteousness that's not our own. It's like a dress, right? And if we don't clothe ourselves with what he's provided, there is no other answer. Your strength is not enough. And if you say to him on that day, but I was a good person and I had good motives, he's saying, you're not dressed in the garments that I provided. Be cast away. You've, you've made yourself an idol. You've made yourself the savior. That's the reality. So I want to I wanna ask you, every one of you and I'm not talking about just saying a sinner's prayer but I'm saying what about you would you surrender yourself again just close your eyes right now maybe you've never surrendered fully to Jesus because it's it is a scary thing to give up complete dependence on yourself but I'm telling you, his track record is perfect. And everyone that has given him complete control, the testimony is the same. He's been faithful and he remains faithful. And if you've never made Jesus Lord and given him full control and surrender your full life to him, I want to give you an opportunity tonight to do so. And you can begin by just raising your hands to him and just sincerity to him. Just saying, Lord, here am I. Would you take me? Lord, I surrender my own strength. I surrender my ways. I want your garments. If that's you, just repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus. Go ahead and say it out loud. Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my strength. I give you my mind. I give you my sin. In exchange for your life. In exchange for your lordship. Lord, purify me. By your blood. And by the death of your son. And raise me to newness of life. Make me a new creation because your, your, your son was raised. 
there's real transactions that are happening tonight. That, that issues that you've had in your life for forever are going to be broken because Jesus is claiming the lordship of your life. And I also feel like there's this invitation that as we engage into the Holy Cross, first one to the cross wins. <laughs> what if we strive to enter into his rest and what he's provided for? We encourage one another to love and good works. And we're, we're not trying to put on a show and, and wear our masks in front of everybody. But we just say, Lord, I give you everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. I give you everything. Father me in this place. Master Potter, dip your fingers into this clay and mold me into who you want me to be. The Lord will respond to that kind of yielded heart. So can we just make this front just this, an altar before him? And let's just do business before the Lord. Maybe you just want to be in your seat, but I just feel like there's, there's, there's a point of faith when you come up to an altar. And you, you just allow him to do heart surgery. And you allow him to just shine his light on those weak places. And you just... There's a moment of stretching out your withered hand. <laughs> Say, Lord, I'm not hiding this thing. I don't care who sees it. I just want your healing. Amen? Amen. So I want to invite you to the front if you want to uh, just spend some time with the Lord.
Thank you. 